Welcome to another inspirational message from Shoreline City. Well, happy Sunday, church family. Great to see everyone. Thrilled you're here. Yeah, let's give a huge round of applause to all of our first-time guests. Hey, today is today's January uh, 28th. Um, this weekend, six years ago, about 80 to 100 individuals got together at the Angelica Movie Theater here in Dallas, Texas. And these folks got together uh, around this little, well, big 40-foot white truck. And we unloaded a whole bunch of sound equipment and unloaded a whole bunch of pack and plays and rugs for our kids. And we set up inside the Angelica Movie Theater the very first worship service of Shoreline City. I'm ha- Yeah, you can clap for that for sure. I'm, I'm happy to tell you, though, those group of 80 individuals and the sacrifices that they were making on that day, those same sacrifices are still continuing to be made. But not just here at White Rock. We actually now have three communities of faith. One in Antigua, Guatemala. One here at White Rock. And today, for the very first time, we are launching our Bishop Arts Campus as well. I am so incredibly excited about this. Okay, so so to everybody here at White Rock, I say hello. Uh, to everybody in Antigua, I say hola. And to everybody at Bishop Arts, I say, uh, Oak Cliff, that's my hood. That's exactly right. <laughs> Welcome. And today, all of us are actually linked together. So we can give a huge round of applause to Antigua and Bishop Arts. Of course, everyone watching online as well. It's been miraculous and beautiful to see how individuals keep on putting God first, sacrificing the time, talents, and treasure uh, to make it on earth as it is in heaven. I, I want to share a passage of scripture with you uh, from Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And um, this writer of the gospel, Matthew, uh, he, he says this, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. We'll put the scripture on the screen for you here at White Rock, Bishop Arts, and Antigua. You can follow along uh, as well. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, so others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I don't have the time today to unwrap this particular passage of Scripture, maybe the way I would like to, because really we could sit on most verses for a really, really long time. Uh, but this passage of Scripture here, Jesus is uh, contemplative. He's, he's processing through some things like, like you can process. Uh, he's processing and he's asking his disciples, what are people saying about me? What's the word on the street? When they hashtag Jesus, what, what comes after that? And the disciples begin to make some comments. 
They say, hey, uh, uh, people are saying, people are saying uh, that, that one of the prophets of old has come back to life. They're saying, they're saying you're like Jeremiah. Other people are saying, not Jeremiah, no, that's foolish. He's Elijah. And other people are saying something totally different. They're saying, they're talking about John the Baptist. But Jesus, I, I, I like this about him. He, uh, he goes beyond what people are saying about him, and he gets to the heart of the matter, and he says, what about you? What are you saying about me? What goes through your mind when you think about me? I think Jesus is asking the same question. All these thousands of years later, he's saying, I'm not wondering what your mom or your dad says about me. I'm not wondering what your grandparents say. I'm not wondering what your cousin says or your brother or your sister. I'm wondering about you. What do you say? Who do you say I am? Uh, Here's the truth. God actually does not have any grandkids. He only has kids. That means you and I don't have a relationship with God through some other person here on earth. Like, oh, yes, I'm a Christ follower because of my mom. Or I'm a Christ follower because of my dad. Yeah, their faith may have impacted you. But what God wants for your own heart is he wants your heart and my heart surrendered to him ourselves. He's not trying to get us to go through anybody else. God wants you and you alone. So here he's asking his disciples, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? What's your thoughts? Some of us in here might just think, well, Jesus is a a good teacher. Uh, He's a nice guy. Uh, Man, he's got long hair. Looks like he might do a little cannabis uh, on on the side. Uh, I I, I like that Jesus. I I like a Jesus that I can kind of mold and and, and be pliable. He can be pliable in my hands. And and Jesus saying, no, no, who, who do you say? Who do you say I am? Peter speaks up. One of the disciples speaks up. He says, hey, 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 everyone's saying all this stuff about you. I know who you are. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. All the prophets were foretelling of you. You're the one that's going to come and put everything back together. Now, now Peter, in his mind, had an image of Jesus that Jesus would come in on a horse and with a spear and with a shield, if you will, and he's going to conquer Rome and put everything back in, in order. But Jesus did not come on a horse or with a spear. Instead, Jesus came and put himself up on a cross. So the Messiah did not look the way Peter thought it was going to look, but he was a Messiah nonetheless. And this Messiah, Jesus, came and he defeated death hell and the grave over for every single one of us. And now you and I get to be free because of the penalty of sin that was put on him. So he says, you're the one we've been waiting for. Jesus says, oh, man, you didn't get this from a textbook. You didn't get this from some TV show. You didn't get this from a fortune cookie. 
You got this. You got this from God himself. God revealed this to you, Peter. God has been after you. God's got a hold of your heart, Peter. And I just want to make it clear. I want to make it clear that God's been after your heart as well. He is so ridiculously for you. And he is not wanting you to have the faith of just your parents or grandparents or siblings. But he is after your own heart. He's after my heart. And when he, when, when, when Peter gets this revelation, when Peter gets this understanding, Jesus says, oh, my goodness, Peter, let me tell you something. On that revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell will not be able to overcome it. What does this mean? That means Jesus is building something. He's building something. I don't want you to think that Jesus is disconnected up in heaven uh, somewhere, uh, just forgotten about the world. Jesus is actively building something right now. So that's why you don't need to be afraid of growth. You actually should celebrate growth because Jesus is a builder. Jesus is a builder. He has a saw and a screwdriver, and those are the only tools that I even know. Because I'm not handy at all. <laughs> I can hang a picture with one nail in the drywall, not even close to putting it in a stud so it falls down all the time. <laughs> you know that, that stud finder? It never works for me when I'm just kind of knocking all the way down. I don't know what I'm thinking whenever I'm doing that. Onika's like, Earl. I'm like, shh, honey. I'm finding a stud. <laughs> then she says, I'm looking at one. Just kidding. She's never said that. She's never said that. But I want her to, okay? So I just put it out there. I want her to say that. She's actually at our Bishop Arts Campus uh, this morning as well, uh, over there with, with, with our family. So he says, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. I, I need you to see that Jesus has a plan for the world to experience his love and his hope. Jesus has an agenda. He has an idea. He has a vision. He has a goal. He has a way he wants to go about the world experiencing his hope, his life, and his love. And his plan is for his church to be built in such a strong way. And I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about a people. I'm talking about a group of people that from from this side of the world all the way to the other side of the world that will not be about themselves but a group of people that will be about laying their lives down for his cause and for his name and for his fame so that the whole world will look at us and think about him. We don't need our name in lights. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men and women unto myself. That's what I'm trying to do with my life and that's what he's called you to do with yours. So here is Jesus saying, I'm going to build my church. I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. Uh, some of you live in a gated community right now. It might be an apartment, but it's a gated community nonetheless. <laughs> and you need a code to get in there. And why do they have that code? It's just so anyone, not just anyone, can come into your home. Not anybody can come onto the property. So what Jesus is doing here is he's flipping our mindset. And I want, I want to challenge, I want to challenge the Western mindset of what it looks like to be a part of the church. Because too many times the church has been the one setting up the gate. Keeping people out. Hey, uh, how do you dress? 
Hey, what do you believe? Hey, uh, what, who'd you vote for? Hey, what gender are you? What color is your skin? What language do you speak? Well, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And the church has been on the inside of the gate, keeping other people out. And Jesus says, that's not the church I'm building. The church I'm building does not have a gate that's trying to keep people out. The church I'm building is actually attacking the gates that hell has set up. And we are the ones going and kicking down those gates. For too long, the church has been okay, hiding out from the big bad world. I'm telling you, that's not the church that we've been called to be, and that's not Shoreline City. We're not trying to hide out from the big bad world. I'm telling you, we've been put here on mission to go knock down gates, kick down gates, tear down gates, and say the kingdom of heaven belongs in this brokenness that's right here. That's what we've been called to do. Gates are not offensive weapons. Gates are defensive. Gates keep people out. And I'm telling you, if we as a church family can be who God has called us to be, may every single weekend and every single Monday through Saturday, may hell shake when the people of Shoreline City wake up because hell knows that the people that have been held captive for year after year after year and generation after generation after generation, the people of this church are not going to hide out in some cubicle somewhere, but we're on mission to go everywhere Jesus has called us to go and to bring his hope in his life. This is why you can't work at the church, all of you. You can't. I, I, I need you to stop elevating just the church work. I, I need you to understand that God has you exactly where you are on purpose. I need you to understand if he needed you someplace else, he would already have you someplace else. And the reason he hasn't put you someplace else is because you have not yet finished your assignment where you are right now. So you stay where you are and you stay at that post and you might hate that job, but you keep on keeping your eyes on Jesus and kicking down the hell gates that might be there. You're there on assignment. Some of you are mad at me right now. He's like, no, I want to leave my job. I want to leave my job. And you can leave it, okay? You can, I'm not saying you can't leave. But I'm saying stop hating where you are and understand you're there on purpose. Understand you're there on purpose. Uh, I, uh, as you can see, I'm really excited today. I, I don't always like to be this excited, so I apologize to any first-time guests. who are like, whoa, that guy's fired up today. But I just am, okay? Today, today I'm just fired up. I, uh, but I was going through the study of this idea of building, and I ran across a story of JFK, John F. Kennedy, and, and uh, it talked about a visit that he made to NASA. And, and he went to NASA, and, and there, uh, as he's walking the halls, he saw a gentleman mopping the floor. And, and he, said, he said to the gentleman, he said, uh, sir, what are you doing? And this man, who is a janitor, mopping the floor, said, oh, uh, Mr. President, I'm, I'm helping send a man to the moon. I'm helping send a man to the moon. That's what I'm doing right now. Do, do you see how we saw how he was a part of something bigger? That, that his small task was a part of something bigger? 
I ran across another parable, uh, and it talked about a traveler that came upon three uh, individuals. Each of them were laying bricks, and the traveler says to the first, uh, what are you doing? And, and the individual says, I, I, I'm laying bricks. He ask, asks the second person, what are you doing? He says, I, I'm building a wall. Asks the third, third person, what are you doing? That individual says, oh, I'm building a cathedral. All doing the exact same thing. All doing it with a different mindset. The first had a job. The second had a career. The third had a calling. I'm trying to connect you to your calling. I'm trying to connect you beyond the mundane so that you can see how you are a part of the family of God to make it on earth as it is in heaven. You today actually stumbled in to Vision Sunday. You didn't know that. <laughs> but that's why I'm talking so much about vision. What is our vision here as a church? I'll make it really clear to you. It comes right from the Lord's Prayer. We've been saying it before we ever met together. We've been saying it before we had any people. And it was, it's this, on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Everybody say that with me. Here, Bishop Arts Antigua say, on earth as it is in heaven. That is our vision statement. What does that mean? Everywhere it does not look like heaven. We've been called to go there and say, heaven come here. So you name the part of society that doesn't look like heaven. And I'm telling you, we've been called to go there. So lawyers and doctors and coaches and those of you who are in education and those of you who are in the public sector or your business owner or wherever you might be, wherever you might be in any realm of society, understand that you have been put on this earth for such a time as this to make it on earth as it is in heaven. And I'm talking stay-at-home dads, stay-at-home moms, I'm talking students, I'm talking married, I'm talking single, I'm talking everybody. I'm telling you, that's why you're here. Now, I know that can be real broad, so I need you to understand that we got a way we like to go about it. We, we, we have some values as a church. We call them our 12 stones. These 12 stones are on our website, but more than that, they're really on my heart. We preach the gospel. We love people. We're planning the church, and we protect unity. We serve the hurting. For us here, we fight for surrender, and we speak to mountains. We don't run from mountains. We speak to mountains. For us here at this church, we, we give honor. We walk with humility. We at this church, we see with eyes of hope. If it's not good, then it's not final because God's final word is always good. That's how we see the world. At this church, we express joy and thanks. At this church, we lead like champions. That's who we are. That's how we operate. That is our flow here. I'm, I'm thinking about uh, Danny. He's at our Antigua campus. Uh, and Danny is, is a wonderful young man. Um, Going to be married uh, not too long uh, from now. But there was a, another gentleman that was new to the church named Jose, Jose Carlos. Uh, Jose, uh, like all of us in here, has been through some stuff. Okay, and don't try to act like you haven't been through some stuff, okay? Some of you are sitting next to the one that put you through the stuff, but you're still here. <laughs> All of us have been through some things, and Jose Carlos had been through some things. 
I won't go into his whole story, but he could feel uh, at times uh, forgotten or, or, or set aside. So Danny uh, wakes up this one morning and a bunch of guys are going to play paintball. Danny wakes up at 7 o'clock and goes, hey, Juan Carlos is on my, Jose Carlos is on my, my heart and my mind. I, I want to reach out to him. So he calls him 7 o'clock on Saturday morning. Doesn't get an answer because most people are sleeping. Uh, uh, you know, single guys are sleeping at 7 o'clock on, on Saturday morning. Parents are not sleeping at 7 o'clock on Saturday morning. We're already up. We've been up at 5, okay? So, so he, 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 he tries to wake him up, doesn't get him, calls his sister. He says, hey, hey, uh, wake up your brother. Uh, I, I want to take him paintball. And she goes, wait, it's 7 o'clock in the morning. He goes, yes, I know. Wake him up. I'm, I'm coming to get him. And then Danny gets on his moped. 30, 45 minutes, drives all the way to Jose Carlos's house, knocks on the door. Jose Carlos, you're coming with me. We're all going paintballing. Okay, hops on the back of his uh, moped. Dumb and dumber. Anybody remember? Dumb and dumber. Just go, man. Just go. <laughs> Keeps go all the way to play paintball. And they said you could see on his face the change. Because you know when you're remembered, you know when somebody knows your name and notices when, when you're not quite right, and they pull you in, it matters. That's the type of church we are. That's the type of church God has called us to be. So let me talk about a little bit of vision for just a second. Okay, little, little vision. Go, let's go with me uh, to, and I'm not kidding about this book, Habakkuk, chapter 2. Not kidding. Habakkuk chapter 2, if you name that, your parents didn't like you. <laughs> Habakkuk chapter 2, verse number 2. The Lord answered me, write down this vision. Clearly inscribe it on tablets so one may easily read it. I, I, I want to get very, very practical here for a second. I want, I want to talk to, to business owners. I want to talk to those who are thinking about starting a business. I want to talk to, to, to married people. I want, I want to talk to single people. I want to talk to, you, uh, talk to you students for a second. I want to talk to you about vision. Because vision must be, understand this, vision must be cultivated and assembled. It must be. Vision does not come fully assembled. Do you ever get some Ikea furniture? Devil furniture? You ever get, ever, ever get any, any of this stuff? The picture is clear. Okay, the picture is beautiful. It's like, oh, my goodness, $199 for a bed? Of course, I want to buy this right now. And the picture looks wonderful. And then that box is delivered, or you figure out a way to get all 17 boxes into your car. And you open it up, and now you have to put it together. The vision is clear, but it requires assembly. You want to have a marriage that people look at and they think about God's goodness? You want to have a marriage that people look at and people say, man, I want to be like that? You want to have a marriage where that's filled with joy and filled with peace and filled with encouragement? Then I'm telling you some assembly is required. You're going to have to stop being selfish. You're going to have to stop. You're going to, have to begin to learn to say, I'm sorry. You're going to have to try to outserve each other. You're going to have to be willing to let go of your pride and your ego and your insecurities. You're going to have to be willing to put somebody else ahead of yourself. And if you don't want to do that, you have a dream. You don't have a vision. 
If you're a single person and you want to have a type of life that people look at and go, man, I want to be like him. I want to be like her. Man, I want people to look at my life and think about God's goodness. That's what I want. And all of your friends are going out and partying and you're thinking, man, I can do that with them. But when they see me doing exactly what they're doing, I'm not being the type of light that I would want to be to them. So I'm going to have to make some other decisions. Assembly is required. Let me, let me give you this definition of vision. I love this. Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be, fueled by the conviction that it should be. I stole this from one of my favorite authors, Andy Stanley. Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be, fueled by the conviction that it should be. I read this maybe some 15 years ago when I was reading his book, Visioneering. A fantastic book on vision. Vision is a clear mental picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. Like the conviction is the part that helps you get through the tough times. Because they're coming. Stop believing that when you give your life to Jesus, all of a sudden there's butterflies and rainbows and skittles all the time. That's just not the way it is. You're going to have some conviction. You're going to have some backbone. You're going to have some power to be willing to push past, past the problems and be who God has called you to be. I'm talking vision here, church. I'm talking about you and I living for something greater than ourselves. Okay, um, I'm, I'm going to give you these, these four things. For the next couple of minutes, I just want to give you these couple of things. Because these were some ingredients that we felt were essential for us to have the type of church that God was calling us to have. Again, you stumbled into Vision Sunday. So before, before we ever met, when my wife and I were living in Austin, and I had this dream in my heart. We had a dream in our heart about the type of church that we saw. Before we ever moved, before we're ever going to be here, we, we began, I, I said, God, God, what do we need? What do we need to be the church you called us to be? And these are the four things that dropped into my heart. These are the same four things that we share with people that welcome to Shoreline, those who are going to become members or what we call owners of this church. Same four things we still share to this day. The very first thing, God's presence. God's presence. I want to make it abundantly clear right now. We are unashamed that we are desperate and in need of the presence and the power of God in order for us to be the type of church that God is calling us to be. That is not a side issue for us. That is number one. That is first. That is at the top of the list. That is a priority for us. And that is not going to change. I, now, when I say that, you, you came today and you saw people smiling at you. Right? Hopefully, right? Shake, shake your head. You, you with me on this? You saw people smiling. You saw individuals uh, uh, at, in the parking lot going, come on in. You saw people at tents. You saw uh, when you dropped off your kids, individuals going, hey, we're glad you're here. You saw people with T-shirts. You saw all this joy. You saw all this laughter. That's on purpose. We feel like that's how Jesus would treat people if, if he was a host. We feel like that's how Jesus would greet in the parking lot. That's how we feel. So that's why we do it like that. But I want to make it clear. Because we have all these smiles, this church is not about the smiles. What we have 
goes far beyond smiles because you can find a smile anywhere. They smile at Walmart, okay? They smile at Target sometimes, depending on which Target you go to. You can find a smile anywhere. We give smiles, yes, but it's beyond the smile that makes this place something special. And what's beyond the smile is a heart. And it's a heart to say, God, we are desperate for you. You need to understand that we prayed for you. We prayed for those in the chapel. We prayed for those in this room. We prayed for those at Bishop Arts. We prayed for those at Antigua. We prayed for those who are watching online. We prayed over your seat. We pray that the God of heaven would grab a hold of you. We pray that the cross of Jesus Christ would become real to you. We pray that all of heaven would be opened over your life. We pray that your strengths and your weaknesses will be put into the very hands of God. We prayed for your marriage. We prayed for your business. We prayed for your schooling. We prayed for your future. We prayed for your kids. We prayed for your heart. We prayed for your life. We prayed that you would be wrecked by the unending love of Jesus Christ. We prayed that you would see the cross for what it actually is and you would give your entire life over to him. We We prayed that the God of heaven would arrest your very soul and you would find yourself immersed in the presence and the power of God. We prayed that all of heaven would be shouting your name and you would turn an ear and you would give your heart. We prayed that God would be so for you. We prayed all of that. That's why your seat's hot. That's That's why your seat's hot. Your seat is not hot because we're nice. Because we prayed. Because we believe God has something for you. Like we believe he has something for you. Come on, church. We believe he has something for you. We believe you're not done yet. We believe your marriage is not done yet. We believe your single life's not done yet. We believe your business is not done yet. We believe there's still something on the inside of you. So even if you're like the parents and you had to deal with your kid being in the hospital, parents, just so you know, God's not done with you yet. Just so you know, if you were crying tears just on Wednesday, God still has mercies that are new today for you. We prayed for you. Okay, okay. I told you I'm fired up. It's not like this every week. Every other week it is. Next, we knew we had to raise up leaders. Had to raise up leaders. Had to raise up leaders. Let me make it abundantly clear right now, we are not a spectator church. We're not an armchair quarterback church. We're not a church that you walk into go, oh, let me critique this, let me critique that. Oh, you're doing this, oh, you're doing that. Why do we sing that song? Why do I do that? Why do I do this? Why do I do that? I ain't got time for you. Let me just make it clear. I don't have time for you, okay? You, you, you're, too, you, you, you're too much of a professional Christian for me, okay? I need some people who are desperate, okay? I need some people I need some people who just love Jesus a whole bunch. I need some people who are in a pit at some point in time, and Jesus rescued them out of that pit so they don't have time for all the foolish complaining. If you want to complain, I can give you 175 fantastic churches for you to go to. And you can complain there all you want to. But here, we're about kicking down the gates of hell. Here, we're about trying to move forward. Here, we're about making it on earth as it is in heaven. Here, we're about raising up leaders that will become all that God has called them to be. Just so you know, we want you to grow. Okay? We're nice. We're going to hug you. But I don't want you to be the same. A year from now, a year from now, should you be the same? 
I mean, I, I, if you don't know anything about the Bible right now, that's okay. You're still home. But a year from now, I want you to know more than you know right now. And if you're incredibly mature, then by the time a year is over, you ought to have three other people that you've raised up behind you that are understanding what it means to be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ and not a critic, but somebody who falls in love with Jesus, loves his word, and is making it on earth as it is in heaven. I'm talking about you growing, becoming who God has called you to be. This is why we serve here. This is why individuals get off the sideline and give their time, their talents, and their treasure. Can, can I talk? Let me go to the third thing. Resources. Resources. Can I talk about the forbidden topic for just a second? Forbidden fruit for just a second. Money. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I, I wrestled with this one. When God, when I felt he dropped this on my heart, I wrestled with this one. Because you know like I know. People saying, oh, the church is all about your money. The church is all about your money. As a quick aside, no one has ever said that about Starbucks. Oh, my gosh. $6.78 for a little drink. Starbucks, it's all about my money. I, I've, ne I've never heard. I've never heard anybody say that. Okay? But I got friends like you have friends. And I've got thoughts like you have thoughts. And I've seen all types of abuses with this stuff. But last week, when we had those beautiful kids from Watoto here with us, and they danced and they sang and they shared about the love of Jesus Christ, and most of us were bawling our eyes out for most of the time that they were here. And we were able to write them a check for $40,000 so they can keep on bringing hope and life all around the world. It was because people gave that we can give. In this room right now, and I didn't ask for permission on this, but I remember when Drew and Julie Richards first came to our church. Okay, we were in our town north location, and they came, and uh, at that time, and I can still maybe say this, they would be more seasoned, you know, because our church can look really young. Now we've got some more old folks coming like me, old folks like me, so I'm glad that you're here, and I won't dare call them old, but Drew has now hit that 50 mark. He's over it. Julie looks like she's 28, but Drew, he's... God's doing a work in his soul. <laughs> I remember the first time they came uh, to our church, we had to leave early because we were actually going to Uganda. My wife and I, we had to slip out uh, early, uh, and, and I saw Drew and Julie leaving early. <laughs> oh, okay, they ain't coming back. <laughs> They're here today. I sat with Drew a couple of months ago. He had tears rolling down his cheeks saying, I never thought I was going to be a part of a church again. I never thought I was going to be able to call anybody pastor again. I never thought I would tithe again. But God just blessed me with this massive amount of money that's going to help me get out of debt. But I could not wait to write this check and to sow it into this church. And the money that he was giving was helping us with our kids' wing. I'm telling you, there are people's lives on the other side of our giving. So I know we want to touch the world. I know we want to feed orphans. I know we want to minister to people. And it takes praying, it does. And it takes bodies, it sure does. But somebody's got to buy the food. And somebody's got to buy the lumber to build the orphanage. And somebody's got to keep the lights on. And somebody's got to buy the bus. And somebody's got to pay to put gas in that bus. And I'm telling you, we are the type of church, nobody here is getting rich. What we are trying to do is dump every ounce of resource that God gives us into making it on earth as it is in heaven. That is our agenda here as a church family. 
So I'm going to encourage you. I don't want something from you. I want something for you. When my wife and I get a check for $1,000 and we take $100, first, not last, but first, say, God, this belongs to you. I'd like to keep it. <laughs> you want to give it back? But God, this belongs to you. You want, your, you want to grow in your walk with God? Start tithing. <laughs> Woo! Every month, y'all, every month, I'm like, Jesus, thank you. You're in control of my life. You're in control of my life. And, and I do the text to give because I feel like I could use it. What I want more is I want my heart to be in alignment with God's plans and purposes for my life. That's what I want more. That's what I want for you. I'm so thankful we have such a generous church. So thankful. For some of you, this has been a bondage and a, and a stronghold in your life. This has been a chain in your life for generations. And you're so afraid of being poor. And you're so afraid of God not having enough. And I'm telling you, God can break that off of your heart and your life. He can. So as a church family, I'm just saying, we're going to put them first here with our money. But last but certainly not least is remember the one. Remember the one. Remember the one. This is why we have our groups. This is why we have serving teams. This is why we ask people to, to go online and sign up to, to be a connect group leader because we want communities, pockets of faith all over where we can get encouragement from somebody else so we can give encouragement to someone else. All these groups, the reason we have them is because we want to remember the one. When we had 10 people, and there was a leadership team of 10 of us, and we had tw 10 more people that were actually coming to the Bible study, we would grab hands, and my wife would look everyone in the eye and go, you got to remember the one. You got to remember the one. You got to remember the one. That was a spirit. I'm like, honey, we got it. We got it. There's 20 people coming here, okay? We, we know everybody. But that same spirit and heart is what we have now. That's why we have hosts at all the doors. We're trying to make sure we get you eyeball to eyeball. We're trying to make sure we get you heart to heart, remembering the one. I'm going to share these numbers with you guys. I actually each week don't get the attendance. I choose not to. There's nothing wrong with it, but I choose not to. I um, like to hear stories of changed lives. Now, we do count attendance because it, it matters. So we can know about parking and kids ministry and where we should launch another campus and different things. But here's what's happened even over the last three years. The second Sunday of each year. In 2016, 753 people. 2017, 1,690 people. In 2018, 3,308 people came and were a part of all of our communities of faith. I like to say, oh, I'm such an awesome leader. <laughs> it's not because of me. It's in spite of me. <laughs> I'm thankful for the grace of God. And people that keep on remembering the one, remembering the one, remembering the one. A couple of the people that I met the second Sunday of this year were DeAndre, Molly, Darren. DeAndre is a, a yoga instructor. When I first met him, he goes, oh, I don't shake hands. I hug. <laughs> My kind of dude. <laughs> Just hugged. <laughs> I went to his uh, yoga class yesterday, actually. I was 
downward dogging it. And uh, I don't even know what is this called? I don't sitting in a chair, a tree. I don't know. A pelican. I, 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 all these different names. Namaste. I'm doing all this stuff. Uh, yesterday, I, I had a blast. But Paige prayed for DeAndre for two years for him to experience the unending love of Jesus Christ. And this man put on his Instagram, whoo, I just gave my life to Jesus. With that emoji. (laughs) Remembering the one. Remembering the one. Remembering the one. All right, I'm I'm all done here. Uh, I'm I'm I'm, going to be all finished. But I, but I want to end with just a couple of things that are on the horizon for us as a church. This upcoming year, uh, we're going to continue to have our local and global outreaches. Matter of fact, in Antigua and in uh, Dallas, uh, just even yesterday, we had uh, uh, dozens of people getting together, serving our community, feeding people, clothing people, praying for people. Folks that are just struggling, going through some different parts of their lives, but wanna, as a church, want to make sure we're present. The fourth Saturday of every, every month, we're going to be doing that in our locations. You can be a part of that. We have other mentoring things that we do with Heart House and Horizons. There's so many different opportunities to serve in our community. We're also going on three mission trips this year. We're going to Puerto Rico uh, to help with all the hurricane victims because they're still ravished there in, uh, in beautiful Puerto Rico. We're going to go to Kenya this year to serve the kids that we actually, they don't, act, they don't eat unless we send them money to buy food. And we're actually going to be going to Guatemala as well to serve some orphans down there. Three different trips at three different part, parts at uh, point in times in the year. You can be a part of any of those. We're also really excited about our new youth ministry that we're actually starting here at our White Rock campus here uh, in Dallas. We're fired up. We've got Taylor Jackson and Daniel Poku that will be leading our youth ministry, and we are so excited about this. Parents, why did I and the rest of the team pick them? Is because I want my sons to be like Daniel, and I want my daughter to be like Taylor. And I thought if it was good enough for my kids, it would be good enough for yours. So I want your kids to be a part of it. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen. We're also doing something crazy. Okay, guys, we are actually going to start Shoreline City College. And by college, I mean we're going to have, we're going to, you're going to be an accredited college here at Shoreline City. We are now a satellite for SEU. So you can get your basics out of the way and then go to another, go to another school. You can get a, you can get your bachelor's degree. We're even right now working with them to make sure we can get business degrees and other things, not just ministry degrees. You're going to be able to do that here. You can get all of that, pract- all those practicum hours and your basics out, staying here, planting that church. We're so fired up about this. Again, we're about raising up leaders. We're about seeing you grow and become all that God has called you to be. I cannot wait to see what's going to happen. We got new campuses. Gonna have a new services. We need them. We got people in the chapel. You guys know the parking lot's crazy. <laughs> we got a lot of stuff on the horizon. Need more leaders to be raised up. But there's one word that God kept speaking to me this year. There's one word over and over. It's been ringing in my heart. Actually, it started it last year. It's the word multiply. 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 I felt this for our church. And I felt this for your life 
that this is, last year was greater, this year it's multiply. And our campus pastor, Eric Sewing at Bishop Arts sent me this verse. It's on Leviticus chapter 25, verse 21. I will send you such a blessing in the sixth year that the land will yield enough for three years. And I feel that that word is for this church and for your life. Get ready to multiply. If you wouldn't mind, everyone, bow your heads for just a moment. Bow your heads. You can close your eyes if you want to. God, thank you for your grace that's here, your love that's here. Would you draw every one of us closer to you? Would you surround us with your goodness? Would you break up anything that's hard in our hearts so we can be open to all you want to do in us and through us? As your heads are bowed just for a moment, if you're here today, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him number one. You've never made him first. You've never made him boss of your life. You never said, Jesus, I want you to be in the driver's seat of my life. Maybe right now he's in the backseat of your car, maybe even in the trunk. He's there, but he's not running your life. And you're saying, I I don't want that anymore. I want to put Jesus in the driver's seat of my life. I want to put him first. Or maybe there was a point in time you were following Jesus, but you slipped away. You've gone another direction. And today you are here and you're ready to rededicate your life, to re-surrender your life to Christ. I'm not asking, do you have a Bible? I'm not asking, have you been to church? Were you baptized or confirmed? I'm asking, do you want Jesus to be the ruler and to be first in your life? If that's you here, and you've never given your heart and your life to Christ, at one point in time you did and you slipped away, and today you're saying, I want to put him first. I'm going to ask you to do something simple, but something incredibly bold. Literally on the count of three, I'm going to have you shoot your hand in the air and say, yes, that is me. Ready? One, two, three. Three, just lift your head up. You're saying, yep, that's me. Hands going up all over you. You're saying, yes, I want to put Jesus first in my life. I want to make him number one. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go his way. I don't want to go my own way. I want to go his way. I don't want to be in the driver's seat anymore. I want, to go, I want him to be in the driver's seat. I want Christ to be first in my life. I want Christ to be first in my marriage. I want Christ to be first in my single life. You're saying that here today. I'm going to ask every person in this place to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart if you wouldn't mind, every person. And repeat out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I made mistakes. And today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let's lift our heads up. Let's clap our hands with enthusiasm. Hey, we celebrate every one of you. We hope you have been inspired to make it on earth as it is in heaven. For more information, please visit our website 